0: Everyone relax. This is Toph Up. I'm Charlie Clawson.
1: Uh, I'm Will Anderson. And the reason that Charlie is sounding so depressed is not because of the state of the world, although that would be a good enough reason to sound like that at the moment. But why, Charlie? <laughs> Tell the people. Uh, we uh, started
0: recording about 10 minutes ago yep. and got onto quite a, a, good, a good run, a bit of momentum, and then I realized <laughs> I hadn't pressed record. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... You know what, though? Ordinarily, when we'd lose material, it's because we
1: both hadn't pressed record. Uh-huh. So at least you were recording. So we're getting better. I mean, I guess, yeah, there was half a conversation there. Mike Hal might, <laughs> like, might be able to salvage something and put it on the end of the episode as a bonus. But, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, look, I mean, well, you that's, know what?
0: We're going to we come into it warmed up now. Like, so what people are getting now is like, you know, we did our
1: warm up, we ran some laps,
0: and now, you know, we're ready to play the game
1: oh okay so it was like we went out on the ground you know beforehand kicked it around a little bit you know yeah had some pra- shots on goal practice some of the skills that we might use in the podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of people noticed actually after
0: last week's episode that it became a sort of high two guys one cup hybrid like we tried many times to steer it away from football but obviously what what that's telling us is we're either getting closer to football season or we haven't talked about it enough. I, um, I'm in LA at the moment and I bumped into Scott Dooley and it was funny because like, we haven't seen each other in ages so within two seconds of saying hello and getting a beer it was straight into football talk like he's like have you seen open mic and he we talked for like a good 40 minutes non-stop football jumping around and then I was like, wow, you know, it's funny. We have come all the way to another country to talk about AFL. And he's like, yeah, but dude, you don't understand. I live here. So he has all this AFL talk building up in him, but he's got no one to talk to. His girlfriend's from New Zealand. A lot of his friends are American. So it was basically like tantric football sex. By the time he got to me, he was able to just release 12 months (laughs) worth of, what about James Heard? And this is unbelievable. And will the media treat him differently now? (laughs)
1: Oh, well, he cares about James Heard, obviously being our number one casting choice for James Heard when they make the James Heard movie, so.
0: Yeah. Uh, Which you is, know, will now have to be directed by Lars von Trier. It's gotten so dark. Well,
1: uh, Hutchie, uh, Craig H- Craig Hutch- Hutchinson, Hutchinson, uh, yeah. Hutchie's going to host the footy show on Channel 9. He lives in New yeah. York half of the year, so maybe Dool's has to become friends with Hutchie and he can go around to Hutchie's oh. place and talk about the footy. Oh,
0: hang on, but doesn't Hutchie have that thing where he's always got like a scoop? It's like Hutchie's kind of hot hot topic or hot scoop or something? Yeah, well, he could, always something that... He could go
1: around to Hutchie's for
0: a scoop, though. <laughs> or a completely unsubstantiated guess, <laughs> which is what they normally end up being. I went to a... I was in Melbourne a few years ago and was at a nightclub. Like, what was that famous one that all the players went to? Eve or something. I can't remember what it was. It was post some AFL event. So, there was a lot of players there. And I remember hailing a cab and looking back into the alleyway and seeing Hutchie and this girl making out like a couple of (laughs)
1: 15-year-olds in the alleyway.
0: You know that kind of kissing where it's like, I'm going to twist my head as much as I can and (laughs) I'm going to put my tongue everywhere. It's going up and down your face in your mouth sometimes. It was amazing.
1: I guess it's like when you go to an amusement park and you haven't been there and some people are like, well, let's go on the first ride. And some people are like, no, 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 let's go and check out everything there is and then we'll come back and decide what we like. But I want to see everything first. So I'm just going to explore every bit of your mouth because there might be a bit behind your wisdom teeth that is actually the really good spot that gets you off. So let's check where everything is and then we'll set up camp. Well, the first kiss, Will,
0: is very important. Like uh, from, uh, from the discussions I've had with people who have had a first kiss, like that's – you tell a lot about a person. I mean, has this ever happened to you where you were with a girl that you really liked, you thought she was really pretty or whatever and you got on really well and then you kissed
1: and it like nothing happens? It was like awkward or weird? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, I mean, yeah, over the years. Like even like – I yeah. mean, you know the weird one for me is because I don't have jutty out teeth, but if anyone comes in teeth first – like if you ever get a, like Who a comes t- in teeth first? Uh, just like maybe once or twice in my life. I'm going to say twice in my life, I've, I've got a, a tooth on tooth interaction. And after that, it's like, I mean, getting a tooth on tooth is you so going for a I'm just, People can't see, but I'm actually yep.
0: practicing. I'm closing my <laughs> eyes and trying to kiss teeth first. I don't know how the mechanics of that. Like, right.
1: Because don't you pucker up? Yeah, it's unsettling. <laughs> It's like, it's like one of those things. It's like um, walking into a tow bar on a car and getting it right in your shin.
0: Yeah. You're just done. I think done. clashed
1: teeth, but I don't recall it being like, you're saying they're going
0: teeth, teeth first.
1: Yeah. Like leading with their teeth, like teeth outside the lips. So the lips must that's, like, I'm like they must. i sure
0: that's impossible. Who are you, like that's, unless you're kissing a horse. I don't understand Oh <laughs> well, you did grow up in Hayfield So chances are That was your first kiss <laughs> Imagine if that's what we discover Like you know what I hate about When uh, your first kiss Is getting kicked afterwards When you walk around behind her Yeah
1: right You guys like And then I wrote her That's what we all do right <laughs> She was a black beauty <laughs> Do you remember your first kiss Will Yeah sea biscuit. It was. uh, It was. was, was, I remember. It was. uh, I remember. It was Caulfield Cup Day, and I'd had a few drinks, and I'm pretty sure I met someone else.
0: I uh, I saw her across this uh, fence. I fed her an apple.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wooed her with a cube of sugar and a DVD of Mister Ed, and then we spent the night in the barn. (laughs) She told me I was hung like a horse. It was a really romantic night. (laughs) Uh, I got bitten
0: bitten by a horse when I was like about three years old and actually I had a bit of a fear of horses growing mm -hmm. up like anytime we went on school camp whatever there'd be horse riding because I think I was about three or four years old I was feeding a horse through a fence and you know like every like toddler they've always got that sticky outy kind of belly that little kind of looks like a little Uh pot belly so I think it was like sticking out of my t-shirt so this horse went like chomp chomp on the grass and then said oh that looks pretty good I'll have a bite of that and it really scarred me. Like, I never felt like a horse was going to bite me again,
1: but I always kind of felt like they had it in for me. Why would they have it in for you? Like, what? Th- there was some sort of horse blowing? Or something. That, you know, like. They just said, didn't I, like you. I, I guess it's.
0: Well, I guess it's the same way people who are scared of dogs have generally been bitten or attacked by a dog as a kid. And it always comes down to the way the animal looks at you, you know, like some dogs you don't make eye contact with because you know it's pissing them off. Because <laughs> well, that is that thing about horse eye. Like when a horse clocks you, they turn their head side. When a horse clocks you, they look like Bruce Willis and Die Hard. They just <laughs> turn one like, to the side and just like one eye gets really big. And I think that always kind of intimidated me. But also the idea that they're so massive. Like I, I've, all, I've never understood why the horses just don't get together and go, hey, you know these guys who fucking come out and tell us what to do and they put the little dudes on our back and make us run around the track... We could totally kick the shit out of them. We're massive. Why don't we just fucking kick the shit out of a
1: bunch of them? Like, they're so massive, but they're so docile. I guess maybe sometimes they just, like... I mean, may- maybe they just want something to do. Or maybe they don't have the planning power. Maybe they need a leader. Maybe that's the problem. You need some sort of charismatic horse. You need your sort of Martin Luther King or your Malcolm X of horses that can come along and sort of, you know, combine all the horses together. You need a horse... Yeah, well, you... You don't get Stalin, you get Stallion. (laughs) I mean, America might not be far away from Donald Trump like putting a horse in his cabinet. That wouldn't really surprise you at this stage if he just came out tomorrow and went, oh, by the way, uh, I've put someone on the Supreme Court. It's a horse. I've put a horse on the Supreme Court. He'd probably do a better job than half his nominees. Or she? It could be. A, it could be a mayor. Doesn't yeah, have to that's be Australian. True. That'd be tough for American women if the first like American uh, woman president was a horse. <laughs> if America were war- more willing to elect a woman horse than they were to elect a woman, I think that would be. <laughs> I don't think. I actually, you know what? I don't think that Donald Trump would elect a horse because I think the hair issue. I mean, you know, they both. Oh, that's- Similar, Yeah, I think so. I think it's a bit of like a horse has hair there thing. Any,
0: Has there been any
1: conclusive... Because I know everyone
0: jokes about Donald Trump's hair. Yeah. But what is the conclusive... Like, what is it? I mean, is it a, <laughs> a comb-over? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, I've it's heard a lot comb. of people joke about it, but I don't know. Is it a toupee? Is it a comb-over? Like, has that been decided? I mean,
1: I know the UN are getting together soon. Are they <laughs> going to discuss that? Well, I mean, Jimmy Fallon ruffled it that famously, you know, in the run-up to the election... Uh, when people were like, you know, that people shouldn't be like kind of making Trump seem like he's okay. And then he went on Jimmy Fallon mm. and Jimmy Fallon didn't ask him any hard questions and just kind of ruffled his hair and whatever. Um, Made him like an adorable grandpa. Yeah, exactly. So so I think it's real. It's just terrible. I think that's part of his appeal, though, is that kind of, you know, it, it puts people off a little or it's memorable or whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Can you remember your... Uh, First kiss, that's what I wanted to ask you. Do you Can you remember who your first uh, kiss was? Yep,
0: yep. Her name was uh, Lizzie, Lizzie Gibson, I believe. She, uh, okay, all right. I'll tell you about my first, the first kiss I could have had. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Was when I was like about, I think, 14 or 15. Yeah. And um, me, my mate was going out with this girl and her friend had come down to hang out with the two the of them. And so he said, oh, you should come over, you should meet this girl. And she was really nice, whatever. But I was very Catholic and I could tell that she liked me and she wanted to kiss me. But in my head, I'm like, and I wanted to kiss her, but in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, if I kiss her, then we have to start dating and, and then that might lead to like in a relationship. And then we're going to start talking about how long we're going to be together and we should buy a house and have kids. Like I really went into this idea of like, fuck, man, too much. Of, I'm only 14 or 15. It's too much of a commitment <laughs> me to handle. It. And so. How am I going to afford like,
1: kids with my paper round? Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> We were sitting on, like, some play equipment in this park and it was one of those, like, awkward moments where we were sitting side by side and she was kind of, like, leaning in, like, giving me, like, body language signal, like, hey, it's okay if you want to kiss me. And I remember, like, just stopping and uh, I turned to her as if I was giving, like, an Oscar speech, like a Oscar-nominated, from an Oscar-nominated movie, like an Oscar clip. And I was like, look, I know we could go there right now, but... I just think that maybe we should take our time and see where this goes. I'm just not ready for the for a commitment right now. Like so fucking deadly serious. And I remember her just nodding and being like, "Cool," but in her head she must have been like, "Dude, totally fine. I just was going to pass you, and then maybe right. six blokes tomorrow night." Like I'm, I'm 14 I'm really years old. About getting married. Yeah. I
1: passed. I passed seven people at a blue light disco last week. It's okay, <laughs> yeah, mate. You're exactly. not special. Chuckles. <laughs> yeah, but I fucked up because that that could have been
0: my first kiss. And then I realized, cause I told my mate afterwards and he's like, "The dickhead, like, you can kiss as many chicks as you want. Doesn't mean you right. have to go out with them. And so then I'm like, oh, <laughs> <"Fuck>, okay, cool. <laughs> I didn't realize that. So then I was like, cool. All right. And then it was like, um, it was like, a, 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 a someone, it's like someone say, your dad saying, Hey, look, you know, you can buy a car, whatever car you want. And you just run out and start looking at Ferraris and Lamborghinis and stuff, not realising that your dad was like, well, hey, you know, maybe just like get a car you can afford and then, you know, work hard, you might be able to get a Lamborghini. Yeah, when I, I s- started fixating... when I
1: said uh, you can kiss any girl you want, uh, they also have yeah. to be into it. And a lot of yeah, them exactly. are going to be way out of your range.
0: Yeah. Like, so I started thinking, oh, well, you know, I'll hang out for like, you know, the, the, there's the girls who are like most popular and really cool and some are a bit older and stuff. And I was just like, you know, I'll just, I'll charm them. So I went dry for a couple of, no, a couple of years, yeah, and, and earned the nickname VL uh,
1: <laughs> at high school. Did you hear Vir- that? Virgin Loser? No. Close, though. Virgin Lips. Oh, Virgin Lips. Yeah. Oh, wow. It wasn't,
0: just, it wasn't just my nickname. If you were someone at school who was known hadn't kissed a girl, you're a VL. It was like a title. Yeah, exactly. So I was a VL. And then, um, so I lowered my standards a bit. <laughs> 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 to the point where i was at a party would have been like 15 or 16 i reckon and um uh, this drunk girl lay on like fell, a, like sort of lay her, her head on my shoulder and then started kissing her way up towards my mouth and so i was like all right here we go so i started pashing her and then um about 10 seconds later everyone pulled us apart and like dude dude she's really drunk you can't kiss her and you know don't do that it's really weird it's awkward so it was
1: romantic. Okay. So well, well, that's a good. Well, firstly, congratulations on your friends for stepping in and stopping you for committing a crime. <laughs> secondly, yeah. secondly, you didn't just go straight in for the pash. I mean, she worked her way up the shoulder to your mouth. Oh so yeah, you, no,
0: I wasn't even aware it was going to happen until like she started. It was like a, a like a like and M crawling up my neck <laughs> to my mouth, just little <laughs> suction cups
1: all the way up to my mouth. <laughs> Um, maybe she was just trying to pull herself up the couch she'd lost control of her arms and that was the only way she could get upright. she's like i'm just gonna have to suction my way up
0: yeah Yeah, so that was the official first one but then the official like proper kiss was lizzie gibson who um it was a similar situation to the girl who i had uh, knocked back years before real hanging around in a park and i remember like i couldn't work up the courage to get from that moment of i think she wants to kiss me to kissing her I couldn't work out how to bridge that awkward moment. Like, do I just lean in? Do I just do it? So I said to her, you've got the most beautiful eyes. And then like stared at her eyes and then slowly moved in on her. And she didn't
1: pull away. (laughs) The end. (laughs) Nothing better too than like giving yourself so much time for her to pull out of that situation. Like you haven't, you've not gone in strong. You've gone in so slowly. What were you going to do if she moved out of the way? Did you have a plan in mind?
0: Uh, No, I hadn't thought that far ahead. If she had moved away, like from physically, from the position we are in, I would have just gone face first onto the ground because she was lying on the grass and I was sort of up on one elbow leaning over her. So if she had commando rolled out the door or something, I would have just kissed a mound of dirt. (laughs) But then I would have turned it into something
1: like, well, the Pope kisses the ground. So, why can't I? <laughs> yeah, that's a way to get your teenage kissing going. Bring up the Pope. <laughs> well, have you ever been um, knocked back? Like, when you were 16
0: at the Blue Light Disco, did you ever, like, try and patch a girl and she kind of ducked out of it or something? Ah, oh, I mean,
1: so many times. I wasn't very lucky with love. <laughs> I mean, I was... Certainly at high school, I was not... Uh, what you would say, like one of the more popular, you know, boys when it came to that sort of thing. I mean, I went to a co-education. Not what you say
0: was popular. I didn't have what you'd call good hygiene <laughs> or friends or even <laughs> like,
1: like any social skills. What I did have a lot of was acne, and <laughs> then later on back problems, which everybody <laughs> finds really sexy. I believe, right? You were basically a Victorian era monster, like a hunchback,
0: <laughs> <of> not Sudan. <Dame. laughs> You should have just been locked it away in a tower somewhere.
1: We, no, because I went to a co-educational school. So oh, right. so there's lots of girls to not kiss you. <laughs> well, by the time you get, what, what happens at those sort of schools is uh, you all know each other for so many years that eventually everyone's kind of, you know, had some sort of bond or relationship or whatever over the years. But right. often, so I, I did really well at the time where there wasn't a lot of kissing going on. So I was a tall, like so when I was in about grade five, grade six, I was chubby. Oh, right, right. And then and then I got tall. And because my body got tall, I also got thin. You know, so I was kind of yeah. tall and thin. I went into year seven at school, at high school, at this, you know, co-educational school. I'm tall, I'm thin, like I'm smart, I'm good at sport. Like, you know, I was yeah. I was quite the catch. We had this yeah, thing yeah. we had this thing in year eleven, I think it was called, called the debutante ball. And the women the, the, the idea was that the girls got we, to- ch- we,
0: we had it as well. We had a dead ball.
1: Right. And the girls got to choose the male partners. That that was the idea right. of the debutante ball. And I got picked up in year seven. Year seven, I was asked by a girl- In year you- 10? No, like by another oh. year seven.
0: Oh, okay, wow.
1: Like someone put in, into place a development plan. They bet on me working yeah, out. Right. They were like, you know what? I'm just going to put right. him on a, I'm going to put him in our squad. We're going to develop yeah. him. I feel like he's yeah. tall enough. Like yeah, the,
0: the, Hayf- the Hayfield Boyfriend Academy. <laughs>
1: right, yeah. And then that investment did not pay off for them. <laughs> 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 well, if she was smart, the way to do that, Will, is she would have had about four or five guys mm. that she put into the academy. Well, the thing about what had happened, because the dead ball asking had got crazy by the time I got there, because the problem was that girls always wanted a tall partner, because you're learning how to dance and you're going to get these photos taken that you're going to have forever. And it's it's quite a big deal. You know, it's a traditionally was meant to be the sort of coming out, you know, party of, of the women, I guess was what it was traditionally. So the tall guys would go really quickly. And because I was already tall, people were like, well, he's not going to get shorter. Like, he's already (laughs) tall enough. All I'm betting on is that he won't get a hunchback and pimples between then and then. (laughs) Turns out that was a terrible, terrible bet. (laughs) Sorry, Tanya Coleman. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: funny like that. uh, Whenever I talk to people who went to co-ed schools, like, I think it. I often wonder if it was the fact that I went to an all-boys school or if I was a Catholic, maybe a combination of both, that gave me such awkwardness and, and, like, it's probably shame. Like, I had shame around girls in adolescence. Like, I remember this one girl, when I was about 13, there was a girl that I'd gone to primary school with and then we'd both gone off to separate, you know, I'd gone to an all-boys school and she'd gone to an all-girls school. And we used to catch the same bus. And she was really pretty. I think her name was Georgia. I'm not sure. But I really dug her. And she really dug me. And um, she was quite, like, for a 13-year-old, she had started to develop early. So, she had, like, quite a womanly frame. And that, for a 13-year-old boy, was, like, it would blow my mind. Like, the idea of, you know, possibly seeing her naked or something just blew my mind. But we had arranged for her to come over to my place she lived across the park from me and so you know we'd sort of seen seeing each other for a few weeks on the bus and just chatting and then it's like oh hey and so my mate started giving me this hard time like oh my god like Georgie's coming around you she's going to come around to your place you're going to feel her boobs and like all the kind of stuff that boys do and suddenly like this shame like this idea of like no I, I don't I don't want this like I don't, I don't I don't want the pressure of having to do this or whatever and I got started freaking out that like someone in my family would meet her or, she, or or would see me talking to her and then they would want to know if I had a girlfriend. So the night we were meant to meet, I went and waited outside my house, like, you know, a couple streets away on the path that she was going to take so I could intercept her and 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 stop her from coming to my house so no one would know that I liked a girl <laughs> that I had this girl coming around. And so I remember her like, because we talked about that we'd gone to primary school together and she said, oh, I've got this photo of us in, you know, grade three together. It was like from the school record or whatever it was. And so the idea of her coming around was she's going to bring me this book. So I see her coming and I intercept her and say, oh, look, you can't come around anymore because my mum's really sick. She's got a cold and the, the whole house, is." there's the first thing I could think of, like oh the house God. is infected and, and she told me I can't have any friends around and, and <laughs> stuff. And so she's like, okay, cool, well, you know, here's the book. I'm like, no, 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 uh, you know, I'm probably sick too. Like, you know, it's better you just and like just sent her packing it was so weird and then like i went back home and was like i have to erase this girl from my life like i have to erase any contact i've had with her like i don't you know, I, I couldn't take the thought of my friends coming up to me at school on monday and asking like you know what i did and you know blah blah blah, blah. i couldn't stand the idea of my family thinking i had a
1: girlfriend i wasn't ready for that kind of commitment will I, I pre- so, instead of that, I pretended my mother had been bitten by the monkey from outbreak, <laughs> and, and that <then> I couldn't <laughs> touch really. anything because we all had monkey AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> so the next time I
0: see her, I, I decided that I just had to like blank her. Like I, I was not going to acknowledge. I was just uh-huh. going to erase her from the face of the earth. So uh-huh. it was funny too because it's that it was that classic teenage situation where, you know, there'd be a bunch of boys at the bus stop and a bunch of girls, you know, from her school and my school. And so the next day or a few days later when we saw each other, I was standing with the guys and she did the very brave move of leaving her group and walking to my group of male friends. Wow. And trying to talk to me, but I just blanked her, like gave her nothing, didn't really look at her, just like completely froze her out. And so in a very cool move, when we got on the train and we arrived at our stop, Everyone was getting off, and she just walked up to me and threw the the school book at me, the one that she wanted to show
1: me the photo of, and just stormed off, and that was it. It was the last time I saw her. Oh, my God. That poor girl. Like, she was... Like, she she just would have been so confused about what was going on. Like, I'm sure as an adult, she gets it, but, like, as a kid, I mean, she was probably... heartbroken you know she'd obviously you know thought this was going to happen as well and then you just irrationally (laughs) have acted like the craziest person on earth (laughs) that's weird right like but that but I often think about that
0: because it took me till 16 to have my first kiss and I did have issues about I don't know what it was like it wasn't to do with like sex or anything like that it was more about I don't know it was just a kind of shame associated with being a human being, or something like that, that like, you know, the reason that you have a girlfriend and all that kind of stuff, like it's just a, it's just a weird. I guess it was a combination of all those influences on my life. But I think if I'd, gone, yeah, I, I, I can't
1: like, imagine, I can't imagine what it would have been about going to a Catholic all boys school that would have given you weird information about that.
0: Because <laughs> as soon as I got to university and started hanging out with girls, like you know, in a study environment, but also socially. It was like, oh, fucking hell, like... Because it was always... When you go to an all-boys school, or at least for me, you would mainly hang out with your guy friends, but then on weekends and stuff, there would be these events where you'd interact with women. But what that does is it kind of compartmentalises the women to those particular events. So, you know, you can understand why guys could come out from a boys school having kind of chauvinistic ideas about women's roles, because they only ever see them recreationally or, you know, if they're going to date them or, or something like that. I mean, if I didn't grow up with a bunch of sisters,
1: I probably would have been much more maladjusted than I than how I already am. Oh, you know what the thing is? Like, I mean, and I have this opinion about co-educational schools, but I understand that I went to one, so maybe my prejudice comes from that. But I, I we live in a world where men and women have to get along and understand each other. And so I don't understand this idea of us separating men and women because what happens is is the mythology builds up around it. So what happens is yeah. you get you get so much bad information about the opposite sex because nobody really knows. So kids just start mm. making up things and then you hear things and those things become accepted as fact. And it takes years yeah. of you living in the real world to break away some of those preconceptions you formed when you were a teenager. So but the yeah. the, the irony is the, the argument with co-educational schools is um, versus uh, like segregated schools is women do much better when the men aren't there. So if, mm. the, if the women are left to their own devices at their schools, they do much better educationally. It's the men who are dragging down the women. But it is better for society to get us all to mix together, in my opinion. Well, maybe we can, it can be a, a part-time thing. Maybe it can be
0: like, uh, I don't know, like a week on, a week off. Like it goes segregated, unsegregated. Jesus Christ,
1: there's another one of those kind of NSA buzzwords. I mean, that's not too bad, though, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you have the the boys' school and the girls' school. Maybe you do, like, yeah, week on, week off, and you combine. Or or how about this? How about they're
0: educated in separate classrooms, so the girls go to their maths class, the boys go to their maths class, but then in between times, so the non-academic pursuits, like sport, drama, um, you know, uh, playtime, they're together.
1: I mean, Charlie, I don't know if you have just come up with the best idea ever to revolutionize education, but I think you might have. (laughs) Well, you know, my brother works in education, and he's
0: been like advocating for a long time that there needs to be an overhaul. Maybe I should give him a call, say, hey,
1: here's a word to the wise. Will Will and I workshopped an idea on TOEFOP, and we think we've solved the problem. (laughs) I mean, it is one of those things where I think that exposure to whoever it is. Like, you know, in the same way as, mm. you know, they talk about the bubble of like, you know, in America or in the country in Australia yeah. or whatever, about these people who have uh, more progressive views who live in the cities and people who have maybe more conservative views who live in these isolated areas. And a lot of the time what it comes back down to is just exposure to the other, whether it be yeah. not knowing a gay person or not knowing a... Like to me or to you who works in entertainment... So many of our friends are gay or multicultural or you know have different life experience to what we had that it becomes so normal in your life that you forget that there are people who either don't know a gay person or probably know a gay person but don't know that that gay person is gay because they live in an environment where they're not as out and and about about it. And the other thing is Mm. you find these communities that had you know, that have immigrants and whatever accept them very easily because human beings, I think country people are actually easier to accept. Like once you get into a country community, because you have to actually then be part of the community, you become mm. in the community and part of the community so quickly. It's just that exposure to the other. Yeah. It's weird though because
0: it's not, I don't think it's as simple as like geographic locations, like the stereotype being like inner cities more progressive, countries more conservative because... You know, I think about the area I grew up in and, you know, I don't know if it was, it must have been family influence, but my father quite, had quite conservative values. My mum was quite progressive and I just chose to go down the more progressive route. But, you know, those guys, I grew up in the same neighbourhood as and went to the same school that had the same kind of bubble that I was in that had very conservative views. So it's, it's just, it's interesting how we arrive at the,
1: those value systems. Like, I mean, I find that interesting as well because I grew up, obviously on a farm, my parents, I imagine, and I don't know, we haven't talked about it, but I imagine they've voted national, which is the country party in Australia, every election forever. Probably. Probably. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I reckon when I was at high school, my views would have been influenced by their views. You know, when I would talk to people about, you know, for example, when I found out that one of my best friends, his parents were both school teachers and they both voted Labour and he started mm. talking to me about labour, I was like, oh, we never talk about labour in our house because it was just not what you did in a farming household. So, of course, at the start, you get the majority of your views from your parents, I imagine. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I remember... Uh, who was the Premier of Victoria? I think it was Joan Kerner, who was the Premier of Victoria in, like, the early 90s. Uh-huh. And... uh there was, like, such vitriol directed against her. Like, they really hated her. And I remember, um, you know, we got to present uh, talks in English class or whatever it was, and two guys getting up and their presentation on, like, why, you know, the Labor government is completely incompetent, and went on this whole kind of rant And the teacher getting up and endorsing them and then for the next 20 minutes telling us why, like, you know, the Labour government was so corrupt and they're run by the unions and, you know, they they don't know how to spend money properly and blah, blah, blah. Like, that was a teacher at a school, like, giving us that information as if it was fact. Granted, this is also the same school that brought anti-abortionists to us and, uh, you know, they handed out little plastic fetus babies that had, you know, eyelashes and, you know, beautiful fingernails and, and toenails,
1: like you know what you should get for these boys some fetus dolls they'll love them yeah you're talking about like misinformation or alternate facts uh when I was at high school the one thing about having girls there is that once you start thinking about girls it's hard to not constantly be thinking about girls because the girls are there oh yeah I mean even the at the an all
0: boys school all I'm thinking about is girls yeah like, so I, I, but does huh? but does it not sort of cure you of like if you live your head in fantasy because you're not corrected of that all the time i imagine having like like you're you know staring at some girl in your class who you think really pretty and you imagine what it would be must like to kiss her and maybe you could be boyfriend and girlfriend and then she turns around and says what the fuck are you looking at cunt that doesn't <laughs> kind of immediately
1: that doesn't fix you of that you know you're sort of living in reality more I guess it does, but that probably didn't happen quite as often. My approach, I guess, because I was funny and I was like interested in writing and art and stuff like that. What my kind of playbook would be is I would become <laughs> d- like convinced I was like definitely in love with somebody. And then yeah. my approach would be to just be into everything that they were into and just be an expert in stuff they were into. I was thinking about this the other day when I went to see. Um, I think it was Morrissey or The Cure. I can't remember which of the two, but it was uh, the one girl got me into both. Uh, Her name was Chrissy Rennick, and um, Mm. I was in love with her. Like she was my first, like, I was just like, oh God, I'm obsessed with this girl. And she loved The Cure and she loved Morrissey. So I taped this like rage special of The Cure and I learned every Cure song and I ended up writing her, like I drew her a picture of like Robert Smith on the front of Boys Don't Cry <laughs> and wrote out the lyrics to Boys Don't Cry and put it on the back of it and gave her this picture with the lyrics on the back thinking that that was my way to woo her which did not work in any way it n- nothing ever ever happened between us but i have had a lifelong love of both of those artists that has rewarded me so many times since that it was almost worth it um and so, the other so your approach is kind of the
0: groundhog day approach oh yeah, yeah like yeah. you find out what the person's into and then you invest your time in becoming an expert at that thing so you can just casually play a piano concerto to
1: impress her. My teenage years were Groundhog Day in real life. I mean, I guess, like, going to high school is Groundhog Day in a way. Like, you're really just getting up every morning, doing the same thing, going to the same place with the same people. Like, so you do kind of get, like, a slower version of Groundhog Day. You can put in a sort of a two-year plan to go, all right, well, she's not into me now, but if I just go away and I learn to play the piano, (laughs) I think she's really going to love me. I would write letters to girls i know that like quite a lot and i was reminded of this recently when uh, a girl called bianca dunlop and i reconnected on on facebook and she was a girl Mm. that i think bianca left our school in sort of year nine or year 10 i would say and she was a girl that i had a massive massive crush on and we were great mates she was so funny and just like a great fun person and um I'd never really kind of confessed, you know, how I'd felt about her, but I certainly had like a big thing for her. And um, I wrote her this like series of letters in the run-up to when she was leaving. Cause I guess I was like hoping that like, you know, I don't know what I was hoping, but she's, <laughs> she's messaged me the other day and yeah, she's like, Oh really? Yeah. She's got kids and like, you know, she's a, yeah. like, it's, she has her whole, you know, own whole life, life now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But said, Oh, I've still got those letters. And I was like, <laughs> <it."> <laughs> no way! I was like, burn those letters. <laughs> No, no, if she listens, hey, uh what's her name again? Bianca Dunlop.
0: Bianca, if you are, if you are listening, please scan and email those <laughs> uh those those letters to email uh tofop at gmail.com. I would love to read them.
1: They would be the most embarrassing things of all time. I, I can't even imagine just, how terribly embarrassing they would be.
0: I was just thinking actually, you know, about what I did to that poor Georgie girl. Poor Georgie girl. Poor girl Georgie. Um yeah. But then I got my comeuppance. So I just remembered, like, so that was me from say 13 to 16. I was like very kind of like, you know, like Woody Allen, just very neurotic about girls and stuff. But then. Right. I hit and, my t- and, and much
1: like Woody Allen, teenage girls. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but then
0: I hit my stride in, in my last two years of high school and I got more confident with girls and stuff. And there was this one girl that I was in love with that she actually had been dating a mate of mine for a few months and then they'd been broken up a long time. But I just thought she was so cool and um, what was her name? I think it was Beck. Beck Fiocco, I believe, was her name. Oh. And she was, like, super hot. <clears throat> she was really cool and had that kind of aloof sort of rock and roll quality. You know what I mean? Like, she'd turn up at parties and she wouldn't dance. She'd just sort of, like, stand on the edge of the dance floor and just do that, just that gentle head knock where she was, like, just assessing the dance floor, just, like, wait. When it's cool, she'll dance. And um, she was way too cool for me, a bit like my wife Gemma now, <laughs> way too cool for me. But I was like, oh, I'm going to just talk to her at this party. And, <clears throat> and for whatever reason, like, we hit it off. And then I remember she did the cool move where, like, you know, the party was winding down. And I said, all right, I'll see you later. And she said, yeah, just one second. And then she grabbed my face between her hands and, like, just gave me the big bash.
1: Oh, and I was my- like, oh, my God.
0: So we ended up going back to her place and we just um, we, we slept up in uh, her, her room. I think, well, we didn't sleep in her room, but we just sort of like, you know, talked and fooled around and stuff. But I was just so on cloud nine. Like you, Will, I was a hopeless romantic and I would really build up these fantasies about girls that no one could possibly live up to. So I was telling her all this stuff, like how fucking beautiful she was and how, you know, great she was and, you know, making plans for the next time we're going to see each other and stuff and blah, 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 blah. And so I don't hear from her, like, the next few days or whatever. And, and I remember, like, strutting around school the next couple of days just thinking, like, yep, you know, fucking Beck Fiocco, like, you know, feeling pretty good about myself. And then, um, like, three or four days go past and I haven't heard from her. And then my mate Tom um, comes up to me and is like, oh, you, you, um, you and uh, Beck uh, passed on Saturday night, did you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. Um, apparently she reckons you're way too mushy. <laughs> and I'm like, What? <sighs> Oh, yeah, she just, like, told all the girls at school that, you know, you kept oh, talking about my like, no. love and, you know, how this moment was meant to be. And oh, you're, like, really mushy. No. Apparently, you put it way off. <laughs> oh, Will, I was
1: shattered. Just like Georgie had been shattered only five years earlier. I was shattered. I mean, teenagers are so bad at it. Like, the amount of people that I would love to go back and behave better to or apologize to or just like not freak out like i remember <laughs> there was this girl leah butterick that i because this is the thing about going to school by the with, way by the way how good is our recall of like girls we went to high school with oh uh, mate when you spend like six years with the same people like i can remember like i can remember all the girls i had cru- here are some of the ones i had crushes on that i never like anything happened leah butterick I can't believe she didn't go for my move of getting a badge printed that had a picture of her on it and wearing it around. (laughs) Are you kidding me? No.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so good.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, the worst. Like, uh. I mean, it must have been so creepy, but uh. uh, like, you know, do you <laughs> mean? Like, in <laughs> retrospect, I'm like, ah, oh, that's just horrible. But did I was anyone? Like,
0: did is it, was it
1: just her who pulled you up, or did anyone else say, "Hey, dude, that's a bit fucking weird"? Oh, uh, you know what? Like, I mean, the things. Like, I mean, I was just such so, so terrible at this that I guess I just made a whole bunch of like goofy stupid mistakes I would say was probably but romantic hopelessly romantic yeah that was the thing I think it like my hopeless romanticism got aw- like kind of swept over some of the the awkward creepiness Hopefully, at least yeah. in their memories. Uh, Belinda Morley. I always had this massive crush yep. on Belinda Morley. And uh, she was one of those people that if I was playing the dead ball investment stakes, she would have been me <laughs> buying into Apple when it was at its lowest stocks. As in, Oh, like, what, really? I'm, uh, to be honest, in her, in her defense, she was never Apple at its lowest stocks. But I right. I saw how hot she was going to be coming and really got yeah. in early. And it did me no favors. <laughs> Oh, no. Apart from the fact that when she became the hottest girl in school, I was able to go, yeah, I saw this coming. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew this was going to happen. Did you ever... Um, Do
0: you think a... that comforts the guy who could have bought stock in Facebook but didn't?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could see it coming. I, I feel good about that, that it I didn't, picked it. It certainly didn't comfort me at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you ever hook up with anybody that you'd wanted to hook up with when you were teenagers but you met again as adults like i mean you didn't go to school oh. with girls I, I have one in mind and i won't mention her name because out of politeness but uh there was a girl that i had a bit of a crush on when i was at high school but nothing ever happened and then we met up as adults and like hooked up one night which was like I, that was pretty fun i was like oh that's cool i, I don't know i don't think so i
0: i don't know you actually that, not enough of a, a period of time went past. It was from like the age of like eighteen to twenty-two, so that kind of felt like within the. That feels like in the same right space. It doesn't. It's not enough of a change, but no. Oh, that's not true. No, though. A girl I went to primary school with, and we were really good friends oh, in primary school. Primary. And school. And then, like, so, like, that would have been twenty twenty years later. We um we saw each other, and it was uh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was good. I, I don't know. She was always way too cool for me. Like even, I knew her through primary school and high school and stuff, but she was always, another one of these girls, I always set my standards like way uh, at a standard way unreachable by me. But um, yeah, no, she kind of, uh, she ended up being, she's actually
1: still become a really good friend of mine. I I can, speaking of Total Recall of like girls' names from Total Recall. Yeah, so my Total Recall, I can remember the three hottest girls in primary school as well. Uh, Diane Wajinskip. Uh, who was a mate of mine. We were just mates. But Deanne Wojcicki, who I, I know as an adult, uh, I've met her family and uh, those sort of things, and her, her dad and my dad are still pretty close friends. Uh, her brother, David Wajinski, played for Geelong in a couple of years. I was going to ask about that. That name is very distinctive. Yeah, so that, that's her brother. Um, and then there was uh, Brenda Robinson, uh, who had red hair and she was uh, absolutely cute and delightful. And there was Christy Rorison. And she was kind of my first ever girlfriend, Christy Rorison. I reckon when we were in grade five or six. Oh, sorry, about so sorry, five or six. What
0: yeah. defines girlfriend? For the grade five or six is like 10, 11, right? So what defines girlfriend? Like when you got a girlfriend at that age, are you exclusive?
1: Yeah. It's like somebody, one of their friends comes up to you normally and says, will you go out with that person? And then you yeah. tell you you tell that in between messenger that you will go out with them. It was kind of like yeah. tin, it was kind of like Tinder. It's an early primary school is an early version of Tinder, and like where you get a friend to walk up and go, do you swipe left or swipe right on this person? And if you if yeah. you both swipe right, they go back and report back, and then you're going out. And then pretty much Can nothing I, happens until you're not going out again. <laughs> Can I just say
0: that Tinder and primary school should not be mentioned uh, in the same sentence ever?
1: It's Tinder for primary school kids, Kinder. <laughs> swipe left, swipe right, or have a nap. <laughs> I'll meet you a little play. Um no, I I remember going to her house. I remember going right. to her house for like a play date. I reckon I was even younger, actually. I'm gonna say maybe grade three or grade four. And mm. I remember that her dad was Scottish and he played the mm. bagpipes. So we went kind of on a play date together and and, you know, it's more, I reckon, at that stage, one of those things your parents say a bit as well. Mm. Like, it's funny for your parents. So, they, they yeah. all talk talk about you having a girlfriend, whereas you're just kids hanging out, really. Well, it's funny. There was this kid moved into my neighbourhood, this
0: guy, this boy, and he was new to the neighbourhood, and we hit it off immediately, like, ride our BMXs everywhere, play cricket, climb trees and stuff, hung out for, like, the first two weeks he had moved in, and then... I found out that he was actually a girl. <laughs> like, it was a tomboy. I had short haircut and stuff. And I just had assumed it was a boy. And I had gone from, this is probably going to be the, the, my best friend. We're going to hang out forever. He knows horror films. You know, he loves, like, He-Man, Transformers. You know, he's good at cricket. He's and then I was like, you're a girl. Oh,
1: my God. You've ruined everything. <laughs> you that could it. have been my first... That you, could have been my first girlfriend. The perfect relationship. You'd literally found a the girl perfect who was relationship. Into all the same things as you. Totally. Better at most things. Yeah. This would be like now if you met somebody who looked like Gemma, but they were just, they loved AFL football. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you, well, basically, they, you know, they had Gemma's personality and the conversations we have. That's basically yeah. what you'd found in that person. <laughs> totally. Um. Who was your best friend at prim- Like when you were little, can you remember your first best friend? Well, we talked about this last week. I've
0: always had a shifting, yeah, like I had a shifting uh, um, alliances. So, I guess my my first best friend was Michael Kearney at, at primary school. We were pretty close. Used to hang out a lot, and then uh, Luke, Luke, what was his name? We used to call him Sars-Barella. Luke Barella. Okay. Luke Brello, he was into footy, he barracked for the Demons, and he and I played in the same junior footy team, and we hung out for a bit. Matthew Spencer, we, uh, we'd go around and we'd um, burn things with lighters and stuff, and then I guess my neighbours actually sort of became my best friends all the <laughs> time with burning things.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we, what would you guys bond over? We, we both like burning things with lighters. Yeah. What does he, he do now? He's an that. arsonist. Yeah, he burns down pups. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guess you can't really play that game when you grow up in the country because you
1: might actually start a bushfire. But when you grow up in the city, you just go around burning things. Uh, well, that, think- was, that was that was one of the big scandals at my high school when Sarah Bailey, and I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it's past the statute of limitations, but I believe it was Sarah Bailey and maybe Ashley Martin, um, not of the hair replacement brand, oh, right. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> different spelling of Ashley, uh, who... Right. Uh, but Ash Martin and Sarah Bailey, I think it was, but it was definitely Sarah Bailey, uh, burnt down a haystack because they were smoking in a haystack and the haystack oh. burnt down. So that was that was quite a scandal around our school.
0: And in Hayfield, they take it uh, especially bad because hay's in the name.
1: <laughs> Plus it's a timber town, mate. Like the, the biggest industry in Hayfield is like logging. The basketball team would call the Hayfield Loggers. The biggest festival in town was the Hayfield Timber Festival. This is a town that does not... <laughs> Does not like open flame. <laughs> How do you define a best friend, I guess, when you're that old? Well, did the, did the, you one, have like the one, one, one did you chose... Did you have one best friend all the way through primary school? So when I was at... Um, uh, before primary school and crossed over into primary school, but he, was, he and I were friends firstly because um, our parents were friends. So it was... And we were the same age.
0: Oh, shit. Actually, you know, this is sorry, we'll get back to yours, but I just realized a couple of years ago we did a tofop live in Melbourne and we went for a drink afterwards um, uh, at some bar and one of the dudes had come to the show stopped me, this truck driver named Daniel. And he was like, Charlie, and he was talking to me like he knew me, which you know, happens sometimes when we meet people who listen to the show because you know they, they, they hear a lot of our conversations. But this guy actually knew me and he was my best friend from primary school for about a year. His name was Daniel Coleman. And we hung out there was Because there's one year at my primary school where they merged two classes. So, the, it was a composite class of four and five, and he was a year older. And so, me and him hung out for a year. And then I hadn't seen him for like, you know, close to 30 years or whatever, or just under 30 years. And then he is a TOEFOP listener. He listens to it on long drives. Yeah, I think this
1: is certainly the podcast for people on long drives. <laughs> if you if you don't have to concentrate too uh Directly on the conversations, um, mine. Mine was a guy who was also interested in trucks. Uh, Simon Scott, his name was, and um, his name probably still is. And uh, he loved trucks. He had pictures of trucks all over his like bedroom and stuff. There was like a trucking magazine, trucking life, or you know truckers or something. And they would have Mother like truckers. They would have foldouts like of trucks. And so like yeah, centerfolds essentially of trucks. <laughs> yeah. And he would it's, have it's basically what o- o- Optimus
0: Prime jerks off to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His his bedroom was pretty much transformer porn. Wall to wall transform. Transform
0: and jerk off. <laughs> I get the feeling that's gonna be in an Everyone Relaxed strip by James Fosdyke very soon. It seems right up James's alley. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, Simon Scott was a, a good guy. He, he was a fun guy. Um, but uh, his sister, Jodie Scott, was two years older. And she was mm-hmm. the, f- the first uh, boobs that I ever saw in my life. <laughs> um, uh, in was, fact,
0: that's how you that's how you address
1: her when you see her now. Hey, first boobs. <laughs> uh, it doesn't take it very well, surprisingly. We had an above-ground pool. And in the backyard and it was like New Year's Eve, I believe it was a New Year's Eve party. And so all the parents were inside having a kind of New Year's Eve party and uh, all the kids were out in the pool and she took her top off and sort of half skinny dipped in the pool and would sort of occasionally dive out of the pool back into the pool. So if you were, if you're eagle eyed. (laughs) <laughs> Which I was. When you say eagle-eyed, I get an image of
0: you staring like eyes as wide as saucers, not looking anywhere else.
1: Oh, and I was also hanging over the pool. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> if you were eagle-eyed. <laughs> um but, yeah, she was she was beautiful. And then she had a friend whose name I won't mention because of the story I'm about to tell, but I, whose name I do remember. Uh, we went to see... Oh, it it might have been Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it was definitely one of the Indiana Jones films. And we went to the Morwell movies, which was the only place you could go to the movies. So it's about 40, 45 minutes away. So it was a bit of a trip. And we went to see it. And we had money given to us by our parents to buy whatever sort of like lollies and candy and stuff that Mm. we wanted, right? And because I was like a fat kid, like, you know, at that stage, like I loved lollies. Um, I had this money and then I can't remember who took us, but whoever took us, took us to this like discount candy place before we went to the movies. So we could buy like, and so I bought a, um, do you remember those Sherby cones? So they're like ice cream cones, but they have like a sherbet top. So I bought mm-hmm. like a bag of those. There's probably like eight or ten cones in this bag, right? And so we go to the movies and then we, we, we in get In your back- life, Will, that wouldn't be the only time that you loved cones. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so these Sherby cones, it was probably about, yeah, I would say eight or ten of them, like a whole bunch of Sherby cones. It was a big bag. And we get back to Simon's place and we're all staying there. So it's uh, Jody's friend and Jodie. Uh, in mm-hmm. her in her room and Simon and I in his room and then later in the night the girls come in and they they say we've got a proposition for you and Jody's friend says to me I will give you a blow job or what? she no, I think she said head job I will give you a head okay. job was I think what she said um yeah. I will I will give you a head job if you give us all those Sherby cards. and <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Oh, you know,
0: when they talk about cities of romance and it's always like Paris, New York, but Hayfield really is the town of love. I'll give you a head job for your Sherby cones.
1: Sher- Sherby goes bananas. So, um, yeah, it was... So, firstly, A, I didn't know what that was because I was, right. like, right on the verge of knowing those sort of things. And B, uh, I was a fat kid and there was no way I was giving away my Sherby cones. <laughs> but it was only a few years later when I realized actually what the terms of that exchange would have been. That I was yeah. I was like, oh, I can get some more Sherby cones. I'll <laughs> save up some <laughs> like money. Teeth. I'll get a bag of Sherby cones. You, I'll give you a Santa's sack worth of Sherby cones. All the Sherby cones you want.
0: I'd love it if that like thought just struck you like literally two years later that you just sat bolt up
1: in bed one night and was like, oh my God, I know what she was talking about now. I'm I mean, an idiot. The day I found out It was the first thing I thought of. Like the day when, like I reckon I was in about, so in year six, I I don't think I knew what like, like sex things were. I reckon it was probably year seven or year eight when I, when I first even found out what that term meant. So it was, I reckon I was in grade six when this incident happened and yeah, Mm. and it was at least a year or two later when I discovered what, what it meant. And then I was devastated. It was the first thing (laughs) I thought of.
0: My high school, the way it worked is there was two feeder schools. So from years five to uh, eight, there was like one school in Brighton and one school in Kew. And then both junior campuses would come together to form a big year level at the senior school. And the guys from the other school were a lot more advanced than us. They, you know, they just seemed to know more girls and had done more things and stuff. And so being injected into that environment... Like there's an awful lot of like bravado and you know just pretending, talking about shit you have no idea about. And at this stage, I still hadn't kissed a girl. And I didn't even thought about the concept of what the kiss involved. Like, why are people so into the kissing? And then someone told me, oh, you use your tongue and you rub your tongue around each other's mouths and you know touch each other's tongues and stuff. And I was fucking grossed out by that at first. And I couldn't quite rationalise that that's what all the fuss was about. And so I was talking to one of these guys from the other junior school... In, in, in class, I think it was before like a science class or something. And I said to him, um, when you, when you uh, make out with a girl, we used to call it scoring. When you score with a girl, um, do you use your tongue? And he just was like, yes. And then I was like, no, I mean, every time you're scoring with a girl. Because, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm scoring with a girl and I don't use my tongue. Sometimes I do. But it was no use. Like, he straight away, he was like, VL,
1: VL. <laughs> well, By on. lunchtime. That's actually VT. Like, technically, at that stage, you weren't VL anymore. You were using your lips. No, no, I hadn't even... Oh, you hadn't even even done that, right. Yeah, yeah, no, he he was was right in both counts. I was a VT (laughs) and a VL. (laughs) You were a VTL. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, tell me this. um, uh, At the wedding you just went to, when they mm-hmm. went for the wedding kiss, because this is an interesting thing to me, is yeah. how, how much of a kiss do you think is appropriate for your sort of wedding kiss? You're in front of like, you know, 100, 200, you know, people at your wedding, like, you know, like the, it's always movie to kiss. me.
0: Movie kiss. You so don't what, the, often what does see tongue that mean? In, well, should there, should there be some? Mm, you don't often, well, no, I think it's the movie kiss. You don't often see tongue in a movie unless it's like an erotic movie or like, you know, basic instinct or something. So I think it's a passionate kiss, but I don't know if people want to see tongue. It's a bit sexual. It suggests that sex is going to happen, right?
1: But what if the... You tell well, me, do you well, often, like, do firstly, you, when you kiss
0: Amy, do you slip a tongue? Well, I mean, not goodbye from their house or something. No. But this but is, Okay, you've just come back from overseas and you kiss each other. Is there a tongue there? Yeah. Really?
1: Don't you think? Uh, <laughs> I
0: would no, think I just, so. I don't
1: think. Maybe before... Uh, I
0: don't know. No, we. I think tongue for us is kind of that. That takes it to the next level. Like ordinary kiss is just lips, and then you tongue it up when you know special occasions.
1: It's a slippery slope. Everything from there is on. Oh, you don't want to go near the tongue. You know, with Charlie, it's a gateway tongue. It's just gonna. Be... You know what Charlie's like. Not satisfied with just tongue. Well, generally amongst
0: actors, like if you're doing a kissing scene, it's sort of an unspoken rule that you don't use tongue unless the actors have discussed it beforehand and decided that, you know, that's what they want to do in the scene. And I think that maybe, because it does seem sexual, I think maybe for a wedding, it's sort of, that's not the kiss you do in front of your... Your friends and family, maybe I don't know. I didn't. I didn't see but, tongue at the wedding. I went. I went to two weddings. I don't think I saw tongue
1: at either. But literally, you're at a wedding. Anyone who's at a wedding, like literally in the old days, the wedding was the place that essentially was indicating. Oh, by the way, sex is about to happen. Like yeah. you know, up until that point, but back mate, in back in the day, the
0: groom would be holding a bag of Sherby cones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> in the traditional, the priest would be. Uh, and they've said their vows and now the traditional exchange of the Sherby cones no. if there's anyone present who has an idea of why these two should not receive their Sherby cones let them speak now or forever hold these peace
1: no I like to think it's like the bride at the end instead of the bouquet used to throw a bag of Sherby cones because she's like I won't, I, I won't be needing these anymore my God, can you imagine
0: the guys in the wedding would be going bananas for that bag of Sherby cones? If it was guaranteed head job, there'd be just fucking nonstop brawls.
1: Okay, so the, how about the bride throws the bouquet and the, yeah. and the man throws a, a bag of Sherby cones? Yeah, totally. <laughs> like they were his magic beans. And he's like, well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm hanging these up now. I have no use yeah. for Sherby cones anymore, guys. I'm married. <laughs> That'll be my Bucks party. If I ever get married, uh, Charlie will be like, I've arranged everything. Sherby cones for everybody. Everybody gets a Sherby cone. <laughs> Except for you, because you're getting married. <laughs> <laughs> um, my best friend when I was at uh, high school was, uh, sorry, at primary school, was a guy called Jamin Prestige. And, That's um, a great name, right? Jamin Prestige. You remember yeah. that? Yeah, so we have recently, again, well, not that recently, about five years ago now, five or six years ago, reconnected on uh, Twitter, I think it is, that, and he often will just, well, not often, every now and again, he will hit me up or just say hello or whatever, and I think he may have even come out and seen a show. Like, I, I don't know if that's the case, but I, I, I seem to remember that he might have even come out and yeah, come to the show one night, and it's one of those things where we haven't seen each other in, well, now it's got to be, I guess... 30 35 years but we've kind of reconnected and there is a bit of me that would be very happy to kind of catch up and have a drink and just see how his life turned out and what was going on like it's it's one of those things where neither of us have initiated that like we've both connected i follow him on twitter you know we occasionally converse online but neither of us have ever kind of reached out and gone hey if we're in the same place should we catch up and have a beer partly because i guess like, he left school, like, when we were about seven or something. So, I guess right. there's a, that sort of thing of going, well, what would we talk about? But Talk about. But, but we could just talk about anything. I mean,
0: I'd, I think I'd be into it. Well, it's it. worth it. I mean, when I, when I caught up with Daniel Coleman, like, we did just talk. We only really hung out for a year. But we did just talk about that time. Because the funny thing is, it's like, you know, certain memories you have are so clear. Like, you can remember those things so clearly. Like it's all, it, that's why people love, you know, those where are they now articles where you see like a photo of some sitcom star and then you see what they grew up to be. When you run into someone like that, you can very clearly remember what they used to be like. So you get the the kind of pleasure of being like, oh my God, that's what you turned turned into and, that's, and this is the person you are. And I don't think it really needs to be about anything more than that. I think in those instances, you can just reminisce for, you know, however long the catch up is and, and then that's it. I don't think there's a, uh, a, a social bond a contract that you then have to like fill in the rest of the next 35 years or anything because you don't have that in common like that's not
1: why you're, you're catching up i mean it'd be great maybe i should just hit him up and say do you want to do a podcast and we'll run through what each of us have been doing in the last 35 years and then how, however long that takes and then we'll just finish <laughs> we'll go okay cool <laughs> thanks we're caught up we're caught up thanks yeah it's a prestige cast but that
0: would be interesting. Like, I remember Kevin Smith did a podcast. He is very short lived one where he would go back to Jersey and chat to someone that he grew up with, someone who isn't in his, you know, viewer universe. And it was his best friend from like, I think it was primary school, maybe high school as well. And it was really interesting because you've, you've heard all Kevin's view of events and things that have happened. And then to get that outside perspective or that other person to fill in, shade in the details it was
1: really kind of interesting yeah i can imagine like i mean the only so the the first girl i ever kissed was a girl called joe layton and we still are in contact and like i know her husband and i've met her kids and you know those sort of things and she was definitely um she was like the ducky like, to while I was concentrating on all these girls that I was in love yeah. with that I should yeah. not have been interested in, she was no, the one... She
0: wasn't. she wasn't Ducky. She's Willow. Right. You
1: were Xander in love
0: with Buffy and she yeah. was Willow. <laughs> but she was... No, so she, did, but she didn't turn lesbian. That's right. the only difference. <laughs> no, she married a cop. I, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> but no, she was... Um, one of my like my close, well, she was probably my closest friend or one of my closest friends and confidence, and clearly was much more, well, not that not always the case. Like there was a few times where I saw my senses and actually, for a little while would you know, go like understand and actually be happy. But I had, you know these other ideas. But I remember the first night we have a kiss. I was at a party at Andy Buck's place. And I guess we were in about year eight, and it was like we were watching a horror movie. So there's like, Probably about eight or ten kids, all in one. Like so, there's one couch, and we're all just like either on the couch or like on the floor. Hormones. Everyone's got oh, doo watching a horror movie. Oh God. Right?
0: The smell of sex and anticipation of sex would have been disgusting. And you so, could have bottled those hormones and created a human being
1: out of the amount of pheromones and testosterone shifting around the atmosphere. And so I remember it was a pretty scary movie. But um, can you remember what it said, was? Uh, no i can't remember it was like, but i i remember well because i didn't watch a lot of it hence this story <laughs> so joe and i are sitting on the couch together and we start making out and it's that making out that you do when you first make out where you're like oh well now we're just gonna make out for like an hour and a half we're just gonna all oh, right you know what i mean because you're like well we've started now neither of us yeah. know uh, when or how this how stops stop. <laughs> so- we're like a guy who's learned how to take off in a plane, but hasn't learned how to land yeah. it. So we're just like, well, I guess we keep going. <laughs> I guess we keep doing this. It's like, it's, like a, it's like one of those games they have towards the end of Survivor, where it's like an endurance game and you're just seeing who cracks first. And this is basically what we were doing. So like the jaw's aching because you've never used these muscles before, but you're just still just going for it. And yeah. I remember afterwards, my friend Stuart Flanagan, who had been sitting on the floor in front of us, said that his whole view of the movie was ruined because when I was leaning over and kissing, my leg which was on the floor in front of him had instead kind of crossed over and it was like going back and forward in front of his face for the entire movie cuz i would just my leg was like jiggling from one side to the other in front of his face like a windshield wiper i guess and he said like a
0: dog getting its belly scratched just right, like flicking yes, in front of
1: him exactly so my leg is doing this for the whole time but He said to me, guys, I was going to mention something, but I didn't want to stop your momentum. So my friend just put up with being annoyed in this movie for like an hour and a half by my dog leg because he was a good friend. He was there for me.
0: I never understood the idea of going to the movies to make out or watching a movie to make out. Maybe I've always been a movie lover, but I would get so annoyed when girls would try and make out with me during a movie. It's like, hey, no, I've paid my bloody... 12 bucks. I want to see the film.
1: We can make out later, babe. <laughs> I, I had to go to see See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Is that what it was called? What was the. Yeah. Is that the. Gene Wilder
0: and Richard Pryor? Yeah. Gene Wilder is deaf, Richard Pryor is blind, and they get involved in a murder somehow and have to clear their names.
1: And it's a pretty hilarious story, and including one particularly funny scene, spoilers, uh, where uh, Richard Pryor has never realized he was black. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Or well, at least I think he pretends that he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. he's back. No, it's it's a, it's a very funny movie. But I had to go and see it at the movies twice because the first time I went was on sales show night and I went with this girl from another school and we were the only people in the cinema and we pretty much made out for the whole time. And so I didn't see any of the movies, so I had to go and see it again because people kept asking me about what the movie was like.
0: Was there any issue if you de- dated outside your school? Like, are you betraying the school or anything like that? Were you competitive with the other high school?
1: Uh, I think it depended. There was like, in our area, so there was our school, uh, Stags. Yeah,
0: <laughs> was that the, oh, I've been to that strip club. I think Shannon Noel got kicked
1: out of there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Shannon Noel, letting me back into Stags. Um, St. Anne's and Gippsland Grammar School sale, Staggs. Yeah. Um, and then there was the Catholic boys' school, which uh, was St. Pat's, St. Patrick's. And then there was all, the, all
0: all boys, all
1: boys. And there was their yeah. sister school, Our Lady of Scion. So the Scion girls and the Scion girls, the Catholic Scion girls, were considered to be, I guess, because they were the only all girls school as well. There was some mystique about like dating a, a Scion girl. So there was definitely right. And then that there was put on a pedestal. And then there was Sale High and Sale Tech, which later got amalgamated, I think, into the one school. And they were the public, sc- proper public school kids. And there was always right. this, and probably completely unfairly, but there was probably always this idea that the girls from Sale High were a little... Loose. <laughs> yeah, sure. <Let's... laughs> I was trying to find <laughs> a more politically correct way, but we were not politically correct at that stage of our lives. So, yeah, that, there was a... Oh, no, I'm not saying...
0: No, they were in charge of their decisions, and they, yeah. uh, they're, they're modern women.
1: Oh, yeah, we're not high school shaming them. No. No. <laughs> and plus, they could funny. probably replace your carburetor
0: as well. So, Because I always thought the stereotype was, it was the Catholic girls were the ones that teenage boys um, uh, traditionally thought were
1: the easiest ones because they're all, like, naive and stuff. No, no. I mean, there was a lot – again, talking about myths that get built up when boys and girls don't go to school together, there was always the mm. myth – Well, I don't know if it's a myth. I'm speaking about something I have no knowledge about. But my only memory was that there was a rumor, I don't know if it was true or not, that went around at some stage that the Catholic girls would do any type of sex apart from vaginal sex because there was some sort of clause in the Bible that meant that you were still (laughs) like a virgin as long as you were like... Like it was like all that like entries. If you came like if you came in round the back, that still didn't count yeah. as like. Being, you know, it's like it was like a vampire who only had to get invited through the front door could sneak in any <laughs> other place they wanted through a window, through the roof, whatever you want,
0: mate. That's fine. I think that's a classic example of a group of people just wanting that to be true because if it was, it'd be amazing.
1: Right. I guess that's what it was like, but I think it was just came out of that mythology of that you know, these things could be spread around because people just didn't know. There was a guy at my primary school who had us
0: convinced for at least, I'd say the better part of four days, maybe a week, that his uncle was Hulk Hogan. (laughs)
1: Like the Hulk Hogan?
0: Like the Hulk Hogan. Like, you know, WrestleMania, 24-inch Pythons, Hulk Hogan. This is at the peak of the initial WWF popularity in the 80s. How did he convince that?
1: How did he convince you guys? He,
0: he just said he's my uncle. Because um, I, I think he'd been to America. Like maybe his family took him on a holiday. And because um, he was very blonde as well. He was tanned and blonde. Like, you know, genetically they could have been in the same family. And we're also like eight years old. So it doesn't take a lot. Like we didn't ask to see a DNA test or anything like that. But he just said, yeah, I came back from the States. I was visiting my uncle, Hulk Hogan. And we were like, oh yeah, cool. And I think... I don't know. It went about four days, but then um, the pressure got too much. He ended up just breaking and confessing. Because I think maybe what happened is then we started asking him for like more and more stuff. Like we we took him on his word, but then we wanted photos and you know can he send us like action figures and all that kind of stuff. And in the end, I think it just he got sick of it and confessed. Did he just go around calling everyone brother?
1: <laughs> well, you know he
0: did. <laughs> Speak with an American accent (laughs) to prove that Hulk Hogan was his uncle. He's like, yeah, I just do the Australian accent. And then he did his American accent. So so I can do both. And we are like, oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, thou art the nephew of Hulk Hogan. I mean, I don't think we need to hear any more, uh, Your Honour. I rest my case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Kapil Dev is also my... uh, (laughs) No, okay. So um, uh, we should finish up. Uh, How long have we done on this actual episode, as opposed to the bits? So
0: we've done an hour hour and ten of main show, and then um, oh, uh, okay, seventy-one minutes. All right, brilliant. Well, we should should definitely finish up.
1: Finish up then. Um, Yeah, uh, plug some stuff. Yeah, uh, my tour is now on sale uh, pretty much all the major capital cities of Australia. We're going to add an extra Canberra show on Monday. So that will sell out really quickly. All the other six sold out almost straight away. So if you're in Canberra, and you've been hitting me up and saying, can you put on an extra show? I have. It's on sale on Monday morning and uh, we'll go quickly. So there's your warning. Um, yeah. Adelaide Fringe Brisbane Comedy Festival, Hobart. I'm there doing one night only. That is almost full. So I'll get in quick if you want to come in Hobart. Uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Uh, I will be doing uh, the pretty much the whole run except for April 8th when I'll be doing my show Critically Will at the Sydney Opera House, at the Concert Hall of the Sydney Opera House, uh, one night only, Saturday night, April the 8th, two shows, Justin Hamilton doing support. And then after that, I'm going to Darwin and also to Perth, and all those shows are on sale, and there's a bunch of other dates that are going to come after that as well. It's going to be a huge Australian tour, but all the major capital cities are now on sale. So go to comedy.com.au for the links or willanderson.com.au. And speaking of Comedy Festival, our live Tope Up, Tope Up, I think it's like 90% confirmed, right? It's going to be April 15th? April 15th. I think we can say it's going to be April 15th. The tickets aren't on sale yet, but um, my show, I can't remember what time my show is that night, but it'll be after my show on April yeah. the 15th. So, um, well, if you, yeah. It's uh, it's funny um, we should talk about the live show because, Will, there
0: is a way of getting early notification for our live shows. Oh my God, what you is it, have to Charlie? to do... Is go to patreon.com forward slash tofop. Uh, you can donate any amount from a dollar
1: up to wow, one billion dollars.
0: Yeah, one billion dollars. We've captured a billion. We don't want to be unrealistic. Um, but that money all goes into the producing of the show. Now, if you subscribe for a dollar or more, you get a bunch of stuff for free. You get James Fosdike's amazing comic strip, you get access And by to the our way, g-
1: we should just mention again how great this comic strip is. It is honestly worth a dollar a month just for the comic strip. If you like this show in any way and you like The Art of Jones Fosdike, just give a dollar a month and you'll get this amazing thing. I want as many people as possible to see it. He outdoes himself every week. It is brilliant. Essentially, if you join now,
0: there's 15 15 weeks of, or 15, uh, uh, what do you call them? Installments? 15 installments. Scripts? What do you call them? 15 installments of the comic strip. Yeah. So if you join now for a dollar, you can go and look at all of them. So what's that? What's a dollar divided by 15? Michael, I'll leave you to work for that. <laughs> but it's not much. <laughs> it's value for money. But you can also, if you've got a bit more scratch to spare, then you can uh, donate uh, as much as you want. But if you subscribe at a monthly level of $15 a month, you will get early notification of uh, of our live shows. So if you're super keen... Um, to see us at Melbourne Comedy Festival and you don't want to miss out and our shows in the past have sold out, then maybe it's worth signing up for $15 a month. You can always change your subscription level at any time. But, you know, if you're very keen, you might want to uh, you might want to join up. Um, we'll announce when the tickets will go on sale and you might want to join up for that month to get in early.
1: Yeah, and we really appreciate um, yeah, the people who support us on Patreon. We've got some aims and ambitions to make sure that you get a TOFOP or a FOFOP every week this year. Um, and obviously your contribution helps us, you know, work with Mike Howell and James and, you know, kind of put, put the podcast out there and get it to as many people as possible, which helps us keep doing it. So we genuinely appreciate it. And, uh, we thank everyone who has supported it and everyone who, uh, you know, if you sign up, you know, or if you can't sign up or if you don't have the money or whatever, we understand that too. And we want to keep the podcast free. So, um, Just spread the word, you know, tell someone about it that you think might like it or, um, you know, promote it or retweet a plug of it or any of those things. They're all very helpful and we appreciate them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Once again, we're asking you to help us work out how to monetize this show. (laughs) Please, if you know someone who knows anything about how to make money from (laughs) podcasting, Send him, uh, get us to send him an email, email tofop at gmail.com, along <laughs> with uh, Will's teenage love letters.
1: <laughs> that I'm would That would actually, oh, no, that would be a way for us. If we could actually get my teenager's love letters from Bianca Dunlop, that would be a good $50 level. Oh, you, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, amazing. If yeah, you definitely. sign up for $50 a month, you get access to Will's teenage love letters to Bianca Dunlop. Do you still have um,
0: her contact details? Yes. <laughs> well, come on, man. I've read out my teenage poetry on stage during live toe fops. Okay. This is at least worth it. I'll, I'll hit All it. Right. How about this? How about this? I will post some of my bad teenage writings and some song lyrics and stuff. You get Bianca's letters back. We'll maybe just do like a little compendium, just like a sure. short little thing, and we'll offer that as a fifty I think our shame is worth about fifty bucks.
1: <laughs> we do a limit, <laughs> limited release. Topop, Our shame is worth $50. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson.
0: Everyone relax. This is TOEFOP. I'm Charlie Clawson.
1: I'm Will Anderson. Hello. And uh, this is Bizarro TOEFOP because yep. y- you are in my apartment in LA. Well, it's, and I am in Australia. Uh, let's say it's... No, I'm, it's, I'm at your place, living it's, with Gemma.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's, it's 75% bizarre. It would be 100% bizarre if you were actually in my house with my wife.
1: Yeah, I've just walked junior, uh, <laughs> and Gemma's just
0: made me a cup of coffee, and, <laughs> and already it's really great. They're already flooring that hypothetical because I make all the drinks and food. She doesn't, I, she doesn't make me coffee. A, I don't drink coffee, and well, B, she would make it.
1: Well, a you now drink coffee, and B she now makes it. <laughs> All right, I'm liking this bizarre question. Yeah, but you're off. Yeah, but you're off donuts. She said you're off donuts and you're on coffee.
0: Oh no, this world can go to hell. I knew it. It's like an episode of Twilight Zone where you think you've got exactly what you want, and then you find out the one thing you love the most is what you have being denied.
1: Yeah. Um, can I ask you? Did you because you flew into LA, well, into America in a pretty. Uh, like, well, I mean, these days, even, yeah, by the time we record the end of this podcast, the world might've changed, you know, Donald Trump might've worked out the nuclear codes and this might be the last episode of TOEFL ever, but there were protests at airports all over America. Did you see any of the protests? Uh, I got in quite early. I was expecting to see them, but, um, uh,
0: my cab driver who also works at the airport said it was pretty insane. He'd never seen anything like it in 15 years of working at LAX, um, but I had a few friends who were actually involved in the protest who went down and shot some video and took photos and stuff. And it is it is bizarre. I mean, talk about bizarro world, we feel like we have entered bizarro world.
1: Uh, did you have any trouble getting through? I mean, you are a white, straight man, so you're probably last on the list but of people they're going I after. But I have
0: quite a significant beard. I've been growing a beard for about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Before I left the airport, I'm like, maybe I should shave. but I ran out of time. So I, I did think that, you know, but what was... Actually, funny was I I shotgunned the entire first season, Mr. Robot, on the plane. Have you Uh, seen it? Yep. So heavily about paranoia. And so watching that for 10 hours straight in like an isolated environment, then like getting maybe an hour or two hours sleep and then going through customs, not a good... Well, the other
1: thing is, I reckon, you know, with the big thing. There's lots of authority figures everywhere. I think with the beard thing, what the business class passengers should have done is when they get their little shaving kit, you know, their amenities kit, they yeah. should have gone, if you don't have a beard, are you willing to donate them to beady people down the back so they can get into the country?
0: <laughs> I was uh, I was in Bali over the Christmas holidays and I, I got pretty feral with my beard. I let it go quite long. And I was doing it all in anticipation of I'd seen this barber shop uh, in Seminyak and for men who don't go into for full beauty treatments, there is one thing we can do, which is, you know, it's the equivalent of like, you know, when the girls go and get a facial done or whatever. It's you go and you get a cutthroat shave, like old school, Deadwood style, where they put a bit of like, you know, they, they, they rub some ointment in first and then put the shaving cream on and then it's just that slow cutthroat razor shave and hot towels and stuff. So I've been building myself up for this, um, this session and uh, I went in there and it was, it was kind of <laughs> well,
1: Cool. I just like the idea that like kind of like sting like you've been saving yes. up, you know, yeah, you know, like so that you can really enjoy the moment. Totally. Like I had a wedding to go to, but I was even reluctant
0: to pull out the clippers because I'm like, no, I want the beard to get as bushy as possible. So by the time I have that that shave, it takes longer and I really, you know, get the full effect. So this um I picked this barbershop because it was kind of cool. It was sort of rockabilly and you know, the dude, the, bar- the barber in the shop, you know, was covered in cats and he had like one of those cool waxed m- curly mustaches and stuff. I'm like, all right, this looks like a dude who fetishizes face hair. I think, I think I'm think i going to enjoy this. So um, we were just chatting away. And so he clipped it down and did all the like the pre-shave uh, stuff and then started the cutthroat shave. And it was amazing, Will. Like literally he went over every square centimeter of my face with that blade maybe three or four times. And because it's so sharp, it's just like this really nice feeling. They just cut it right down. And, you know me i'm a dude who's never clean shaven so to get that baby smooth feeling like is 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 awesome um but we get towards i, I told him before i went in you know just trim it down it's so maybe leaving a bit of a kind of just like a, a sort of light sort of goatee kind of thing you know sort of just not david brent but you know maybe something a bit cooler than that and he's like yeah cool no worries so we get down to just leaving the goatee and he says to me uh He's like, I think I'm just going to trim it a bit from the bottom of your nostrils, just get you thin out that mustache a bit. And I'm like, yeah, cool. No problem. So I can feel him shaving away. And I'm like, geez, he's going quite deep. Like, that feels like, you know, quite a thin mustache. So I just stop him and say, yeah, do you mind if I have a look? And he's like, yeah. So I sit up from the chair. And the best way to describe it is if, like in the late 90s, every boy band had one guy who had that really manicured kind of goatee. That was me. Like if you put like double gold earrings in each ear, I could have been like the guy from Backstreet Boys. (laughs) Like little pencil-thin moustache going down to a pencil-thin goatee, just like so perfectly manicured. And was there no temptation just to keep it? Well, of course. (laughs) Because I'm staying with all my friends with this wedding. I'm like, how amazing would it be if I rock up to one of these functions and I look like whatever the guy's name is, Joey
1: Fatone. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really, it's really good that, that at this wedding it was full of celebrities. They had Joey Fatone from uh, from Insync was at the wedding, which was pretty amazing. Um, and he's really got himself in shape. He's not a Fatone at all anymore. He's a skin tone. <laughs> His skin tone. Oh no, I got no, I got no buns. Uh,
0: so I had to. I toyed with that idea, but then I was like, well, I want my wife to still have sex with me while we're on this holiday. So um, I went for the full, like full shave and. No one recognized me. I walked into the shop where everyone was hanging out and for like, it took them a, a good three or four seconds to kind of clock who it was. But I'm like Homer Simpson where that kind of like, like soft could kiss Gemma without any kind of like rash or anything like that. It lasts about 24 hours. The very next day I woke up and it's like, poof, like three-day growth
1: straight away. Uh, what I love the most about this conversation is that if anybody is listening for the, from like the NSA or something like that for keywords. You know in this modern day where they monitor the internet and this sort of trigger words, the fact that you are on an overseas holiday in a third world country and you've said throat against my neck, I love the uh, feel of baby skin against my face. Like there <laughs> are so many trigger words. That, that, like you're gonna try to get back into Thailand at some stage and it'll just be like sex tourists just like stamped a gotic passport.
0: Yeah, I'll go in um they have a special visa. It's called the Gary Glitter visa. But <laughs> it only cost you 16 years in jail. <laughs> well, maybe he's um, but, I don't know, is he, he, is he still in jail, Gary Glitter? Is Gary Do you think Glitter when you go jail, to jail, you maintain that pseudonym? Like even to say the prisoners knew who he was, yeah. are they calling him calling Gary Glitter or is he getting something else?
1: Uh, I mean, of course they're calling him Gary Glitter, right? Like, I mean, if you're in prison... You know, if your name wasn't Gary Glitter before you went into prison, it's probably Gary Glitter once you're in prison. (laughs) So, like, considering
0: considering all the things you want to watch out for when you're in prison, having a name like Gary Glitter really puts you in a bad position, literally and figuratively.
1: Well, here we go, Gary Glitter. All right, let's find out. Former pop star Gary Glitter jailed for 16 years, as you said. That was a good. That That came to mind pretty.
0: That was amazing. That was just off the top of my head.
1: Former pop star Gary Glitter has been jailed for a total of 16 years um, and his real name is Paul Gad and he was 70 uh, when he went in and that was only a couple of years ago. So, yeah, he'd still definitely be... Yeah, he'd still definitely be... Oh, my God. Speaking of people who went into the barber and got the sex pest uh, beard shape, he has got something that makes him either look like... Either he was looking... Either he was going to those countries to try to audition for Lord of the Rings as, like, a really, really creepy wizard, or he's just gone in and gone, look, I'm a sex tourist, just give me the look. <laughs> that would change Lord of the Rings.
0: If Gandalf had been some kind of, like, I guess it wouldn't be a pedophile because hobbits aren't, they're a different species, right? There'd be some um, yeah. other name for it. file.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because it's not like, he, he likes them to be of age.
0: Yes, Yeah, that's right.
1: (laughs) He just likes them, yeah. He just likes them shorter. You know, he just likes them. He just (laughs) likes You know, Gandalf, uh, you know, Gandalf is great, but he does love a hobbit hand job. (laughs) He just he just says that their tidy hands just make his penis feel bigger. (laughs) He just loves it. You shall not ask. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, <laughs> uh, you can be the Lord of My Ring. What? <laughs> so anyway, I was so I knew about Mike Lord. Hull's of
0: Hull's Hull. just done a bit of research, and apparently, uh, 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 Gary Glitter, Gary G- G- Gary GAD. What's his real first name?
1: Paul GAD or John Gad, GAD
0: something. Mister, he's got that. You would say he's got the gift of the GAD. That, yep. that gift being a horrible predilection for young boys. But he's been yep. moved to a, a, oh, a, a jail on amazing. the Isle of Wight specifically for sex offenders. Oh. I didn't know they had specific jails. That's like supermax, I guess, for for pederasts.
1: Well, I guess it's also because sex offenders are notoriously treated the worst when they go to prison. Like, you know, it's It's, one of those kind of... But even within,
0: like, for a a jail just for sex offenders, like, what happens there? Are there some sex offences are worse than others? Yeah, definitely.
1: Of course. Yeah, there's always...
0: What a thing to get on your high horse about. It's like, oh, goddamn pedophile. I'm just an ordinary
1: rapist. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's like there's a pecking order or oh, there's a petting order, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this got horrible really quickly, didn't it? <laughs>
0: hey, when you, when you get to a new country, just say you've done a flight over 10 hours, what's your strategy for overcoming jet lag? Like, my. My trick is to, like, no matter what time I arrive, if it's in the morning, stay awake until the sun goes down and try and go to bed at a normal time and try and reset for the new time zone. Is that your strategy?
1: It used to be. That's what I used to do.
0: Right. Because I slept these days- about 14 hours
1: last night. I couldn't believe it.
0: Like, I went to bed really early, like 9 o'clock, and I was had set my alarm to get up at 7 a.m., and I slept right through it. I, I felt like I'd woken up from a coma. I was so kind of spaced out by the time I came to.
1: I've been on the road so long and because my work is at different times of the day, like this morning I had to be up at like six to go and do like breakfast radio publicity. But like some nights you're doing shows that are eleven o'clock at night and you're in different different time zones and stuff like that. I think I've decided that sleeping at night is just not for me. I think I'd like to get to the yeah, I think I just like to get to the point where I sleep when I'm tired and i have a space and then i just oh, like shit. get up oh, what? oh no what you're not recording i'm so <laughs> sorry i'm so sorry i thought i hit record
0: i didn't i hit play oh god i'm so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> <Shit>. uh, <laughs> <not>